How do you win in fantasy football? The answer is simple. Staying one step ahead of your competition. In order to succeed, you have to focus on your competition. What are they doing better than you? Staying ahead of your competition means thinking outside the box. It's about developing a good process. Staying ahead of the curve. You need to find the right path, but also you need to know when to pivot or you will be left behind. If you can follow trends and stay ahead of the curve, you will always end up on top. There is always someone willing to work harder than you. Most times, it's your competition trying to gain an edge. You too should be looking to gain an edge. This fantasy football game, it's a grind. And if you're not learning something new every day and every year and applying that to your process, well, then most times you're going to lose that edge over your competition. Now, it's easy to chase fantasy results from previous years. However, past performance doesn't always result in future success. Finding new breakout players is like finding hidden gems in the stock market. You want to buy low and you want to sell high. That's the name of the game. But you have to be disciplined. Don't go chasing points. Today, I'm going to show you some fantasy player stocks to buy low. I'll identify some breakout players that can be had at extreme value and help give you that edge you're looking for. This is the Roto Lounge Podcast. When I'm searching for breakouts, the first place I start is at tight end. It's the position with such a large gap from number one and down. I'm not looking to spend a high draft pick on a tight end, so I need to find one that's going to break out. If you look at last year, other than Kelsey and Ertz, the tight end position was a mystery. George Kittle was the preseason tight end 13, and now he's the tight end 3. Eric Ebron was in a timeshare with Jack Doyle last year, and few predicted a 600-yard 13-score season from the preseason tight end 18. So who sticks out this year? Some say it's O.J. Howard and the 179 vacated targets in Tampa now that Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson are gone. Other than O.J.'s inability to stay on a football field for an entire season, my problem with ranking O.J. as a breakout is mainly on the fact that the industry is already on him. He's currently going as the tight end number four. So what value can we gain by drafting OJ Howard as the number four tight end? How much higher can he finish? Top three? The number one overall tight end? Maybe, but chances are slim. So we're basically drafting him at his ceiling if we draft him at tight end four. So don't make that mistake. Let your league mates fall into that trap. Our goal in redrafts is to draft players that can and will accrue value so that we get more than we pay for. So the tight end breakout I'm looking for this year is Dallas Goddard. Now some are going to say the same things we heard last year about Ebron and Doyle, but as we saw last year in Indy, everything we know can change in an instant. Looking at certain data points leads me to believe that Dallas Goddard is going to be a star in the NFL and it might start as early as this year. Look, 
Because Goddard has only played one NFL season, we can still go back to his college production to determine what kind of player he may become. In fact, Goddard's college production was so good, he may likely have been the best tight end that's come into the league in the last five seasons. Since 2014, there's only been 127 times that a tight end has received 50 or more targets in a season. Now compared to the others, Goddard finished first in catches and first in yards. He was top 10 in missed tackles force, top 10 in run blocking, top 15 in yards after the catch. This all from a tight end that the Eagles traded up to to draft in the first place. Now I get it, the presence of Ertz can distract from how good Goddard is, but we can't let it force us to forget about him. Look at what we saw on the field last year. The Eagles averaged more yards per play last year when they were in the 12-man personnel, which is the two tight end set. And the play calling to finish the year showed us this trend. Already, Philly's offensive coordinator, Mike Grow referred to both Ertz and Goddard as starters in camp, likely implying the team will run two tight end sets on the majority of their offensive plays in 2019. Now, we can already expect to see a lot more Goddard on the field this year, and he wasn't a slouch last year as a rookie. Of all tight ends last year with over 30 catches, Goddard was top 10 in yards after the catch and top 10 in missed tackles forced. He finished the year with 30-plus catches, 300-plus yards, and four touchdowns. But what's interesting is he also finished with a 71% red zone touchdown percentage. There is a possibility that Goddard is going to catch double-digit touchdowns this year, and I wouldn't consider it outside the realm of possibility of Goddard catching more touchdowns than Ertz. We're already hearing buzz from OTA about Goddard. Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer said that Goddard looked like he was ready to make a second-year leap into stardom, and the Eagles beat writer said that Goddard was the star of OTAs. All Goddard needs to do this year is add 10 more catches, 150 more yards, and two more touchdowns, and he's in the position for a top-10 season. Currently, he's going as tight end 21. If his ADP remains unchanged, that's definitely a player I'm going to be targeting in rounds 11 through 14, and I hope you will too. Do you know another player that was a star of OTAs this season? Zay Jones was. He was voted most improved body composition by his teammates. Yes, they actually have an award for most improved body composition, and they actually have a trophy. I'm not making this stuff up. Zay's put on 10 pounds of upper body muscle over the offseason, and that's something that's going to help him shed defenders in man-to-man -man coverage this year. Zay is also entering his third season, which is a historic season for true number one wide receiver breakouts. And Zay Jones was the Bills' number one wide receiver last season. Don't come at me with Robert Foster, John Brown, or Cole Beasley. Zay led the Bills in pass targets last year with over 100. He also led the team in catches, yards, and and touchdowns. Now Foster, Brown, or Beasley are not going to block Zay from maintaining the number one role on this team. The industry is asleep on Zay Jones. There's no doubt about it. Now when I watch Zay Jones, the similarities to Devontae Adams have me excited about his future potential. Look at their body compositions. They're both 6'2", both 210 pounds. In fact, in all physical metrics, Zay is a better athlete. He ran a 4.4540 for scouts, while Adams ran a 4.56. Zay also performed better in speed, burst, and agility drills. Now, I understand that Zay doesn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, but it doesn't mean that Zay isn't primed for a breakout. What else can I compare? 
Devontae Adams' first two seasons were below average. He was on the roster bubble entering camp as a third-year wide receiver. Some even said he had the worst hands in the league. So what did Adams do as a third-year wide receiver? He broke out. That's what he did. To the tune of 70-plus catches, 900-plus yards, and 12 touchdowns. All right, Adams and Zay have similar stats to start their careers. And after a poor rookie showing, Zay doubled his numbers last year, notching 56 catches, 650 yards, and 7 touchdowns. So going into his third season, he only needs 19 more catches, 300 more yards, and 5 more touchdowns to match Adams' third season. That's not out of the realm of possibilities either. In fact, if Zay only improves on his catches and yards and remains at 7 touchdowns like he did last year, he would be on pace to finish around wide receiver 25 in PPR formats. But he's going at wide receiver 65. That's the 18th round in 12-man leagues. So all aboard the Zay Jones train before the industry wakes up from its slumber. Now another player entering their third year prime for a breakout is Mitch Trubisky. But there's quite the divide in the fantasy community about the state of Mitchell Trubisky. So before I get started, let me be clear. We must draw a line in the sand to separate good NFL quarterbacks and good fantasy quarterbacks. For this season, my data shows that Mitch Trubisky will be a good fantasy quarterback. Now the jury's still out on whether he becomes a reliable NFL quarterback. So for fantasy purposes, Trubisky checks a lot of boxes, including an underrated rushing ability, which resulted in 420 yards last year on the ground. That was fifth among all quarterbacks last season. Now last season was his first campaign under head coach Matt Nagy, and Trubisky finished as the quarterback 15, despite missing two games due to injury. From weeks six to 11, he averaged 23 fantasy points per contest, that was third best in the NFL. Now the assumption is that Trubisky can continue to make major strides in Nagy's system in 2019 because traditionally quarterbacks in Andy Reid type systems have big jumps in their second years. There was McNabb, Alex Smith, more recently Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and they all improved in year two of learning the system. And Matt Nagy implements the Andy Reid system. So Trubisky has a chance to make a significant jump this year. If we can project a 15% increase in efficiency, which is more attainable based on what previous quarterbacks have done in the second year of the Reed system, that would make Trubisky not only a viable quarterback one, but potentially a top five fantasy quarterback. And right now he's going as quarterback 17. So another good tool to use in your process of preparing your fantasy big board is to look at the strength of schedule. You can find these easily online and you can identify opportunities that perhaps your competition is not recognizing. So for us, the strength of schedule shows that Mitch Trubisky has the fourth easiest passing schedule among all NFL quarterbacks this year. Something we need to take advantage of. As I mentioned before, rushing stats by the quarterback is a stat that I strongly recommend you consider when planning out your quarterback targets for the season. Those rushing yards are bonus points that drop back passers simply can't get you. I also have two other value quarterbacks on my list, and they're going to pair really well with Mitch to help you take that championship run this year. But let's switch over to running backs. And a team that I have my eye on this year is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, while I think Mark Ingram is the guy we want, it's important to keep an eye on this situation in camp. The reason I am so high on the Ravens run game this season is because of Greg Roman. Greg Roman. All right. He's been considered one of the NFL's top offensive minds when it comes to the running game. The Ravens promoted him to offensive coordinator this offseason, and they tasked him with rebuilding the offense around Lamar Jackson. So let's stop right there for a moment. 
Now, Roman's work as his first two offensive coordinator jobs was with the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. And these two stops offer us lessons to what we may see in 2019. In San Fran, he was the OC under Jim Harbaugh. Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback. And in those four years, from 2011 to 2014, Roman produced an 1,100-yard running back each season. He finished three of those four years top five in the league in total rushing production. He then went on to Buffalo for two years, having Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback, and they went on to become the number one rushing team in the league both seasons while Roman was the offensive coordinator. So what could we have in Baltimore? Well, Roman inherits a quarterback similar to what he's worked with already, and the Ravens have acquired Mark Ingram, and they drafted electric tailback Justice Hill. Now, I expect these two to be the face of the offense in 2019, and barring an injury, Mark Ingram should lead the backfield in opportunities, touches, and yards. Also, the Ravens have the 12th easiest strength of schedule this season for running backs. Currently, Ingram is going around running back 22. That's after rookie Josh Jacobs and first-year starter Damian Williams. To me, that's a mistake. I'm taking the proven ball carrier all day long with Ingram and the proven play caller with Roman when I'm looking for value that late. So keep your eye on this situation as you're going to want the running back in this offense this year. So how about a receiver that's currently going as wide receiver 33, but has the potential for a top 20 finish? That's Cardinals wide receiver Christian Kirk. All right, He finished his rookie year with 40 catches for 600 yards and 3 touchdowns in only 12 games. He missed the final 4 games of the season with a broken foot, but is back at full strength, and he figures to be a focal point in 2019. Now, he also played college with Kyler Murray for a year at Texas A&M, and their friendship could lead to on-the-field chemistry. Kirk also has experience in the air raid offense at Texas A&M, and that's going to prove useful as he learns Cliff Kingsbury's offensive scheme. I think Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald are safe bets for regular snaps at wide receiver in what appears to be a high-octane passing offense. So before I get into how Kingsbury's offense will look, let's talk about Kirk for a minute and how his athleticism and production translates to a breakout in 2019. The first thing that sticks out to me is that as an 18-year-old true freshman at Texas A&M, Christian Kirk dominated. He finished with 1,000 yards and 7 touchdowns on 80 catches. So that shows that he has the potential to also dominate at the NFL level. He finished his college career with 230 catches for nearly 3,000 yards and 26 touchdowns. Now, at the NFL Combine, he ran a 4.47 40-yard dash. So the addition of Cliff Kingsbury to Arizona is what's going to put Kirk in position to have a breakout season. For those that aren't fans of Kingsbury, I'll make my case for him later on this list. But for now, it's clear what Kingsbury will bring to Arizona, and that's the air raid spread offense, which uses three to four wide receiver sets on the majority of its plays. The system also relies on the speed of its receivers, which Kirk ran a 4-4-7. It moves quickly to keep the defense on its heels, and it aims to gain large chunks of yardage. Kingsbury has shown he's smart enough to attack a defense defense's weakness, and he's creative enough to confuse his opponents. So it's going to take some NFL teams time to figure out how to slow the Cardinals down. But by the time that happens, we'll be well into the midpoint of the fantasy season. Now what's eye-opening to me is that in all six seasons as a college coach, Kingsbury finished in the top 10 in passing offense. He has showed that he wants to be up-tempo and run a lot of plays. It would be a big surprise at this point if Kingsbury deviates from his past tendencies for something new. Now David Johnson also said earlier this offseason that he had to get into better shape because Kingsbury wanted to run 90 plays per game. Now while that's highly unlikely, it's no doubt that the Cardinals want to run a lot of plays. 
That's whether they're stopping anyone on defense or not. So however you look at it, Kirk is primed for a huge increase in targets this year. Last year, he finished as the 58th ranked wide receiver in PPR and around 185 overall. And that was playing in only 12 games. In this fast-paced, high-volume passing offense, and if Kirk can make it a full 16 games, then I think it's very realistic to believe that Kirk can increase his reception total by 30 and his yards by 300 and possibly his touchdowns by three. If he can do all of those, that puts him safely around wide receiver 20. So don't miss out. So I've gone over five potential breakouts for the 2019 season and I still have five others that I'm excited about, but I'll spend the next episode reviewing those. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I look forward to dropping at least one a week in hopes you will join me in the Roto Lounge. Now this podcast is done solely by me in my personal lounge and I plan to spend our 20 minutes together each episode talking about ways that we can develop better processes or identify players that we can get for value before it spikes. If there is one thing that you hear on this podcast that helps you win a championship, then I feel a sense of accomplishment and I want to contribute what I can to the industry. I've been playing this game for well over 20 years and I have reaped all the rewards of hard work and dedication. I grind this sport 365 days a year and I will be here every week for you, talking dynasty, redraft, DFS, and life in general. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Lounge Roto. I'm also gonna be developing a website myself at rotolounge.com and I'm planning to have some YouTube content in the near future. You can also find me on Fiverr if you're looking for any one-on-one help that's also by the name Roto Lounge. So please show your support by subscribing to this podcast. Send me some feedback and leave me a review. Until next time, this has been the Roto Lounge. Yeah.